0: Hey guys, welcome to Typically Hazardous. This is Hank Fortner, and today's episode is with Brad Lominik. He is the author of a book called H3, and he is the was the founder and CEO for like 15 years of a um, conference, a huge conference called Catalyst, which if you are in all or in any way connected to like a church somewhere in the world, you probably went to Catalyst, heard from Catalyst. If you have a person that you follow on Instagram or that you enjoy, Reading their books, they probably spoke at Catalyst. It's one of the biggest, and for a second there, it was the coolest thing happening in terms of leadership in a faith based space, and it's really extraordinary. So, I met Brad, uh, I want to say about 10 years ago, right when Catalyst kind of got kicked off and got started. And Brad's just been a really cool friend, a really cool cheerleader, and an awesome connector. The people he's connected me to have redirected my life and my career, and I can't be more grateful for this guy. So I met him in a green room somewhere when Erwin McManus, who's my mentor and my pastor, he was speaking. And I went into the green room with him and that he came up and he just he's the kind of guy who recognizes and sees and notices everybody. Never puts himself in front of other people, never platforms his own self. But he actually has this crazy capacity to build a platform by lifting other people up. And so I'm so excited for you to hear from him. He has an extraordinary book and a really cool story about where that fits. So I'm excited for you to hear this conversation about how to lead, how to grow in your leadership and how to have the most effective impact in leadership as well as how to reach other leaders and how to find new leaders in your space as well. So this is a leadership conversation with Mr. Brad Lominick. What I want to do also though is before we get into that i want to let you know about a couple things are you on our email list is it a hypothetical question or rhetorical it is a question because i want you to say it out loud in your prius and say yes uh, you're on our email list or no if you're not text 66866 text that number Text the name Hank, and you will be prompted to join our email list, and you can jump on board with us. It's amazing. Every time this podcast gets launched, I, I get, my guys will text me and be like, dude, people are joining your email list. Yes, that's what we want. So join us, 66866. Text the name Hank, and you can join us. And then also, I want to let you know, we got a couple of things going on or a couple of things coming up to let you know about. I am on tour right now for a thing called Cast on Tour. You can look at the hashtag Cast on Tour with Demi Lovato and Nick Jonas for their Future Now tour. We are going to, going all around the country. We are 15 cities in and we have 29 left. And I would love to see you in one of those cities. So if I'm cruising through one of those cities, please tweet me at Hank Fortner or comment on Instagram. I'm just at, at Hank on Instagram and would love to cross paths because it'd be so fun to connect somehow this cast thing that I'm doing for this short amount of time and jumping in and uh, meeting you on the road as well. So that's all I have for you right now, and I can't wait for you to hear this conversation that I had in Atlanta, Georgia with Mr. Brad Lominick. Check it out. you ever wonder what your life would be like? What will you wish you would have done? Get after it already. What's life without a little adventure? We get one chance. The exploration of the unknown, the hope for something more. This behavior can be classified as typically hazardous. I call it an adventure.
1: Welcome. Let's get started, shall
0: we? Ladies and and gentlemen, welcome to Typically Hazardous Meets Leadership with Lominic things are exploding, exploding. that's exploding yes. brad's hands we're here at the Glen hotel in atlanta georgia i've done been i've done a few podcasts in atlanta a lot of people in atlanta we're here downtown atlanta georgia at the Glen hotel alongside of the plywood presents event that's going to yeah. happen in what three hours it starts in t-minus and i get t-minus to be the opening session funny story typically has it a story just happened right now currently and a lot of people who are listening know this I'm on tour with Demi Lovato and Nick Jonas with a group called Cast Centers. Yeah. And because I'm on tour, I'm in a different city every day, and I'm falling apart, Brad. I'm flipping falling apart, meaning I left my suit in Kentucky. I left my headphones and my hat that I love, that I wear every day in Detroit. And then in Dayton, recently, flying in to see my family, I left my laptop at TSA. Like, put it in the bin.
1: Why are you leaving these things? Walked away.
0: Uh, Because I think it's moving fast and my mind is elsewhere. Okay. Like, when you're, when, you're, when you're in a different city every day, you're not, like, present. Like, I was in Washington, D.C. for six hours. So you're like, oh, the National Mall. Cool. The uh, 1,400 Pennsylvania. Uh, yeah.
1: But you're not a spacey guy. You don't seem like the kind of guy no. that would just leave stuff and then go, oh, can't believe I left but, that. Uh,
0: but when I'm, like, like, when you travel, in my mind, I'm, the, I'm oh, tomorrow morning I'm going to be in Columbus. Right. You know, like, I'm in Atlanta today. Yet tomorrow I'll be in Ohio. The next day I'll be in L.A. The day after that I'll be in Denver. You're like... You know, you're just, your brain can just disappear, and you're like, oh, my laptop, my charger. I've lost a charger. I have three chargers away. Right. So that's it's all not, I it's mean. It's not routine. So it's just crazy. So I've got my dad flying into Atlanta because we got some really cool Adopt Together stuff happening. My dad's flying into Atlanta, bringing me my laptop. I'm going to fix some animations because i got some animations for tonight's talk. Yeah, hello. And then I'm going right to the
1: venue. So I'm, I'm excited about. Well, this, this is, uh, I, I mean, plywood is, is one of those events that I've watched grow up. Really From the beginning, really I mean, the, the early days of plywood, our mutual friend Jeff Schinnemarker, who started plywood, you know the fr- I think the first plywood event, there was maybe seventy people there Wow, and it felt like this birthing of the uh the innovators in Atlanta in a small oh, little cool. in a small room i mean truly it was the it was uh it was an office wow. where the first plywood event was did and people pay yeah people oh, paid wow. but i mean it was it was seventy five people maybe. Maybe close to a hundred. No, okay.
0: So that gets me. We're gonna we'll get go, we'll get back to that, but that gets to the Brad Lominant, because I feel like you've watched a lot of things grow up. And I used to call you the mayor of Christianity for a long time. The Remember, mayor we, of I've mentioned you that most times. I time. still use that? I think so. And when I say mayor of Christianity, I don't mean mayor of the religion or the movement right, of Jesus. Right, right. I yeah. mean you're the mayor of like the you're the mayor of or you held that office for a long time of what we what I would call like pop Christianity, like yeah. popular stuff that's happening, things that are movements that are going on. So I want to talk to you about this new book you have. We were going to I want to talk to you about being the mayor of Christianity for a minute. Yes. And I want to talk to you about that stuff, about things like when leaders rise and why Christians all of a sudden are like really hot on an artist or hot on a pastor or hot on a on a on a book or an idea or a concept. And I want to talk to you about those kinds of trends and if those are good for us or not. But I want to start by you introducing yourself because yes. I've just introduced you as the ex-mayor or the, the ex-mayor. Ameri- mayor, emeritus mayor emeritus of Christianity. Yeah. Uh, tell me uh, who you are, what do you do and um, why you know, we're talking right now. Well, Atlanta's home uh, has been for the last uh,
1: eleven years. Grew wow. up in Oklahoma. When when you moved to Atlanta what year? Two thousand four.
0: Wow, I moved to Atlanta or I moved to LA in two thousand five.
1: Yeah. So wow. we, we had yeah.
0: Similar life Close. a lot of stuff happened in two thousand five. It's it's wild. If you look back on things like charity water and to Write love in
1: our arms and things right.
0: A lot of our internal and circles here. The two thousand
1: four to two thousand six window. That there was a so many things started. Yeah. It's crazy. Tom's. Yeah, Tom's, yep, Tom's launched,
0: uh, just a lot of things
1: yeah. all popped in that w- yeah. window. Uh, grew up in Oklahoma. Uh, and it's funny,
0: we all kind of met each other in that window also.
1: We did, because we I think we were all sort of at that space in life of many of us starting out. Yeah, right. And sort of looking for friends that we could... He needed
0: somebody to be like, we're doing something crazy, journey right? With. Yeah, right, totally.
1: And, and none of us had any kind of uh, bus or tail we were we were <laughs> yeah. creating. We were it just was, like yeah. trying to figure out yeah, and totally. go, oh, you're going this way? I'm going to go yeah, with you for great. a while. Yeah, um, but i i've been in the in the conference leadership world for the last 15 years or so awesome uh basically my three seasons of of adult life mm-hmm. one was a uh working as a cowboy on a ranch in colorado wow post post graduating from university when you say of cowboy
0: do you mean truck and four-wheeler or do no, no, you no, mean no, horse no. and saddle i mean saddle, horse like
1: and saddle 150 horses 250 wow. heads of head of cattle Did you t- chew tobacco or smoke cigarettes or Marlboro man yourself no today? i d- i didn't i didn't do any of those typically hazardous. Like oh, I you like, how did that typically hazardous go. things yeah. to your health? Those are not even typically hazardous. Smoking <laughs> is bad health. for you yeah. and if you're doing it, you need to stop. Yeah. Uh, and, and the vapes and are no better. And I, I will say this. Uh, dipping is perhaps the worst thing you can do. And it's the grossest thing.
0: Why? Why would you say that? Because, because it's, it's... You offended all my uh, Alabama listeners. They're like, what, what are you saying? No, they,
1: they, they know it's gross. They just still do it. They don't care that it's gross. They just... They like the buzz that it creates for them. But it's one of the grossest things
0: gross like in terms of just on in terms of of fraternity
1: house in college the guy house at ou there were there were hundreds of dip cups <laughs> left all over the my house my brother's
0: my brother's uh dorm room was full of like ex, you know like soda bottles that are half full yeah. and then the, he put the ha- lid on and set it on a shelf right. and it would just it would just cure it's awful you know yeah. it's awful it would, I, anyway yeah. i didn't i
1: didn't do any of those uh any of those vices so
0: 15 years you've been in a leadership space you l- ran a big conference largest christian conference there for a minute uh, yeah, in terms arguably. of like non denominational stuff called catalyst for a while yeah you were the ceo president of that thing
1: yeah and and i mean one of the things that just just to to take that a little bit more practical out of my story um all the seasons i've had so far in 20 years oh of, yeah I'm sorry no, i never your seasons but but all the seasons i've i've had i wasn't ready for like i didn't i didn't have yeah. any kind of pedigree to be a cowboy Right. But I didn't have any kind of pedigree to be in a consulting practice. Did you find a cowboy
0: job on Craigslist? Or did no, you it was
1: like a fraternity brother in college said, hey, you should go work out at this place. I went and worked there what in the What city in Colorado? In the middle of nowhere, an hour from the closest town. Oh, like flatlands, not, not no, mountains? No, 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 in the middle of the mountains. Oh, really? Wow, awesome. But an hour from the closest town. Like Montrose truly. or something. Uh, like right in the middle of the state. If you drop the pin right in the middle of the state of Colorado, wow, that would beautiful. be Lost Valley. And it's truly lost. Wow, uh, Lost
0: Valley. Okay, so you did that. That was season one. Season two was season
1: two was was four, almost five years with a small consulting practice okay. in the middle of uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas, of all places. Wow, that led into then working with an organization called Enjoy, which was John Maxwell's company. Okay, so we were we were they were a client of ours, and and I and was that working happens.
0: The guy who picked me up from the airport was a consultant and worked with a client, Swedish Industrials, or some kind of thing. And then he got and hired. they scooped him. Yeah, yeah, so it's amazing how that. And when was, you find good people, you're like,
1: okay, you need to do that this. Was, that you was know. my story. But I've never been prepared. So all the young entrepreneurs and young leaders, when they, when they ask me, how did you get to where you are and what, right. was, what was like the degree you got? Yeah, right. What, what, what's the path? Yeah,
0: totally. Because like, everybody wants that, right? You want to see a person who's successful and go, there's a clear yeah, roadmap for that. Tell me how to get that. to where yep. you're setting now. It's, what we're ha- it's the conversation we're having right now about um, compensation. It's all over the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, New York Times is saying, we've got to come up with a map of compensation because we're making it up as we go. It is now unethical to ask a person, how much do you make in your current job? Do you know that? So Google is changing Who's everything. Who's
1: defining that it's unethical?
0: Uh, th- I mean, that's like the you know the same people who define that certain things are not, not kosher. Right. But basically they're saying Google is now paying for jobs, not for people. Mm. And they're saying we're hire- we hire for this role, for this role, for this role. I think that is a huge mistake we're going to look back on and just choke on. Because it, that, that is, again, trying to create this ladder of going, oh, I just need that job. Right. The reality is I don't – me as a person, I couldn't fit any of those jobs. I wouldn't apply for any of that. And like you said, you were grossly underprepared for them, but you excelled in certain roles. Yeah. Because you had the elements that got you there. You didn't have the, I had D- oh, I went to this degree and I, I c- crossed this off my yeah. list. I had
1: I had DNA and intrinsic wiring and makeup yep. like – Character, conviction, a sense of like um, who I was—that I think I could have gone a number of directions, and ended up still being arguably successful in, yeah, in totally. any environment, any industry, any category. Yeah, totally. But, but I've never been prepared, and I'm still not prepared for the season I'm in, and won't probably wow. be for the next season. Yeah, right, totally. But that's—I think that's where the leaders who end up doing the most and actually accomplishing the most—they're—it's like being at that place where you're on the diving board. And you're looking into that water and going, I've never actually even done a dive. Yeah. And now I'm about to do a two-and-a-half gainer. <laughs> sure. And you know, I don't even know what a gainer is. That's right. so great. I'm going to belly flop, yeah. but you just go for it. But you're going for it. And you figure it out as you go.
0: So you've had this awesome leadership, leadership conference role. Where you've gotten to see for 15 years stretch, you got to see all the youngest leaders, you got to watch them grow up. And similar to things like Blake and Scott and Jamie and you and me and a bunch of our other friends who either started something in that season of 0405 mm-hmm. or began a new journey in that season, you've gotten to watch people grow up. And through that, you've learned all these lessons. That's why I'm, I'm really excited about your book, H3 Leadership, because I feel like what you've, the part of the reason why you are uniquely crafted to write that book and part of the reason why oh those are, people who are listening should buy and find and download your book is because you've gotten, you uh, have the leadership experience that I have with dating. Ready for this? Yeah. So when you're dating, okay, this is my, so this is my theory. This this. is, this is a, this is an accommodation or an accolade for your book. So it works great is I uh, dated, like maybe I dated 10 people. Let's say I dated 10 people before I got married. Right. So I would have the, my experience would be 10 to one, I had one successful that went all the way, and then nine failures. What I would look at with uh, being a pastor, when you're, I was a pastor in L.A. for 10 years, so as a pastor in L.A. for 10 years, I observed and watched and was intimately connected to and probably knew more than I should have about thousands of relationships and watched them date and break up and date and break up and date and break up. You can introduce me to somebody, Brad, by the way, is single, ladies yes. who are listening come on ladies i could sit down and have lunch with you and i could sit there and go yeah and i could probably give you a really 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 good predictor mm. on whether or not that was going to make it mm. that thing that was happening and i didn't mean i don't mean make it like john gottman style where i'm deciding if you're going to stay married right. i mean like is this relationship going to continue what's the lifespan because i've just watched that all observed and i've had it's like i've dated thousands of people because I have that like remembered self right so I just feel like that you have that same experience with leadership you've led for three seasons and you've had watched your own leadership journey but you which is you can read books by like the guy who started Nike who has a book out right now that's great yeah shoe dog shoot yeah the shoe dog book so good and you know you're reading that book and you're reading about one man's journey and so when something's happened to that man you're getting a lot of experience and there's obviously some transferables with you what I love about your story is you're you have observed thousands of leaders over a 15-year period, mm-hmm. and you're able to collect all of the, I watched this person do this, and this person do this, and having that, I just feel like is such an incredibly valuable That's good insight. period, because you're yeah. getting, it's more than just one man's deep dive journey. You're going, I've watched thousands of people do it, and here's what I've observed that I can take away, that all of us can,
1: can take with us. Yeah. So
0: with that sort of introduction to what your book is, tell us about H3 Leadership. What is it,
1: and yeah. uh, how do we do it? Well, the H3 is, uh, it, it stands for something. And it stands for Humble, Hungry, Hustle. Humble, uh, so Hungry, the, Hustle. So the, the, the tagline of the book is be humble, okay. stay hungry, Yep. always hustle. Awesome. And those are the three legs of the stool as a leader that I believe have to be in place in order for you to be effective and also like have longevity as a leader.
0: Awesome. Give them to
1: us one more time. Be humble. Be humble. Stay hungry. Stay hungry. Always hustle. Always hustle. And this was something that when I was in my 20s, I, I had that premise in my mind, um, and it became really clear about four or five years ago. I was sitting down with some interns at Catalyst, and you know they're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and right. they're all uh, young and stupid. Right. You know, sure. 21, sure. And, sure. And they they're basically saying, "Brad, we break it all down. Yeah. Like uh, give us give us the give us the one-liner. Yep. We, we 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 get that you're doing all this stuff, but give us like what is the essence? Yep." Because they would, they want to know that question, like how do I succeed here at Catalyst as an intern? And I would tell them H3. I didn't know it was a book title. Right, it sure. was just a premise. It was a mantra that I had for leadership. And, I, and they would say, H3, what was that? Be humble, stay hungry, always hustle. Awesome. Like if you do those three things as a leader, then I think it will lead to... Effectiveness, it'll lead to longevity. It'll lead and to so legacy. is the book
0: broken down uh, into like three journeys. Like here's the humble journey, here's the hungry journey, here's the That's actually journey.
1: habits. So oh, habits, okay. The the three buckets, A fourth H, if you will. Exactly okay. the habits of yeah. the H three. So each of the each of those are broken down into six to seven habits, each bucket that w- actually allow you to live that out. That's great. Um, Which
0: one of those journeys has been the hardest for you? Like, what, what of have, the three that you've personally struggled with the most was it the humble journey was it the hungry journey or was it the hustle journey uh,
1: you, that's a great question I, I would probably say it's the it's the hungry huh. um, because the when you when you stand on the top of the mountain in your category and catalyst would be p- potentially one sure. of those things in, yeah, sure. in our little world in our little pond that somebody could say you've reached what the ultimate level of success right. is and in terms the con- of
0: Christian leadership conferences It was it was it it's, for yeah. a minute yeah yeah
1: and once you're there like you 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 live out hustle to get there but then the question is are you still going to stay hungry once you get to the mountain yeah right and it's the it's the john wooden uh notion of uh, it's what i learn after i know it all that actually counts like huh. that's that's a wooden quote that i love like yeah, this right. idea that you know what like the leaders who i admire the most are the ones who keep the moleskin out and the pen in hand yeah right even once they've become the best selling author yeah totally and it's really easy once you get to what you see as your pinnacle of success to then just rest there. Like you just sit yeah. down and you take a nap. Yeah. And isn't it mountain. so
0: funny how that happens to people who feel like they're on the top of this mountain that is uh, in the grand scheme of the universe. So And small. in the grand scheme of, yeah, of an ever-expanding universe and a globe of 7 billion people, you're like... That mountain you're on top of is a yeah. sandcastle you made. Right. It's m- significant and really important and it's a, and, a, and it's valuable but it doesn't make you larger than life. Yeah. Like it's so fun, even the way you describe it like in terms of the pond of Christianity and Christian leadership conferences we were at yeah. that's a very small, small category pond. of things that to a person who lives in in New Delhi who right. runs a company or something would yeah. go. Uh, wh- wh- what is that called? Yeah. I don't like. There's a, just a. There's a. There's an awareness to that that I think is really, really important. Yeah. Um, that I think for you, um, to me, brings out so much of where your hunger comes from. Is going no matter how, no matter what I'm on top of, whatever category I've sold in or what number one bookseller, whatever, I'm still on a very small pile. Yeah. In the midst of. Yeah. Com- th- by comparison to what's happening in the universe and how many humans are in the world and all the things that God is doing on the planet.
1: And that just that sense of that your your ambition stays stays pure. Yeah. Um, that you actually stay curious. Like I love meeting old leaders or established leaders. Yeah, successful right. leaders. Yeah,
0: totally. Who who I love that old leaders, some there's a guy listening who's like, wait a right, second. Wait, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: But I love it when I meet somebody like that who has arrived. Like they're they are the you know, they're the reason that people show up. Sure, yeah. But they're, but they're they're the they, anchor guy. They're leaning into a posture of curiosity. That you, you look at them and go, really? Like, you want to know?
0: Yeah, totally. You want to know about me? I love that. Yeah, that's true. I love that because the the other the way I've seen that work in a way that's annoying and obnoxious is the guy who uh, acts like he already knew that. Exactly. You're like, I used to complain I used to complain to my mentors. I'd be like, I have a guy on my staff I can't tell anything new to. Right. And he'd be like, what do you mean? I can't ever tell him anything new. If I say something like, oh, I just found out that, that this parking lot is free, they'll be like, yeah, yeah, totally. You didn't know yeah. that? Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, I'm pretty sure that I'm. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that just happened today, and I was the first customer. You know, like, right. e- I feel like even their posture was just always. No one can tell me a new thing. Yeah. And I feel like when people get to a certain established level, it's um, it feels like weakness maybe to them yeah. to just be like, oh, uh, yeah, that's cool. Like for you to teach them something or give them something they didn't have. And the, and, and the, it's, it's such a turnoff because you're like, I don't even is. want now. I don't want to tell you things. Like I feel like you do. You choke out those people who are what I call like um like uh. Uh, I, I had a phrase for it once, but like just these messengers. Yeah. Like I feel like my life is pretty well driven by messengers, whether they're people texting me or emailing me or coming up and being like, "Oh man, did you hear about that new Nike book, mm-hmm. uh, Shoe Dog? That was that's pretty cool. And, and the, like if someone didn't come and tell me that, then I don't know that that book is helpful to my life or really entertaining to read. And I read it on my way to Hong Kong. Like I wouldn't know that. So I right. have these little messengers. When you are the know it all, those messengers all feel like. You're not the f- that's not fun to tell you things. Yeah, you,
1: you almost feel like you're playing king of the mountain, yeah. and that your job is to keep them down, yeah, right, a level below you, yes, so that you can then have the posture that says, I'm the expert, yeah. And and that, I mean, practically, I would say this to people listening that one of the best ways you can elevate your status and credibility and expertise is to ask a great question. Uh, that's great. Anytime I've been in a room where I felt like I was a complete knucklehead which is most of the rooms I'm in. <laughs> yeah. The the posture I always take is, you know what? I'm going to be the best question asker. Yeah, totally. In the room because all of a sudden you gain you gain all the things that you might be chasing. Right by asking a really good question yeah and most great. of the time we show up and we think i've got to have like the right answer yeah no, you totally don't. you don't have, to have the right answer
0: uh, totally okay so a person's listening right now and they're driving in their prius i always all my listeners have priuses not, by the way
1: a, not in the uh, extended cab well Linda is F-150. listening from
0: i get or they all tweet me linda's listening from her pickup truck in dallas okay good um we got some pickup truck people. we got some prius we got people. some prius drivers i've got a couple people in there some suvs in chicago and I got a guy. I got a large crew in Australia who I love. Who they drive like small cars in Australia on the other side of the road, which I love whenever I go yeah, there. You're big in Australia. Like I'm not big in Australia, well, but Australia is big, and I love. Yeah. I love my Aussies. Uh, anywhere I'm, I gravitate towards Aussies. If I hear an Australian accent, I sit near that guy. Like I just, I the Aussies are the best humans in life, and so essentially, with like those people are listening to this conversation. And uh, there's maybe a new space or a new season or a new poll that they go, man, I want to learn how to lead or I want to learn how to be better at this. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to a seasoned leader going into a new thing and a young leader stepping into a thing the you they go? Like I, I, I would say even for me, every environment I've been in, I always knew I was capable of more. Yeah. I think that's probably been the most frustrating thing along the way is to go, there's a ceiling over me. And sometimes not, I don't even mean this in an arrogant way there's a boss over me that um, I need to get around him somehow because I knew I'm capable of more than what I'm, than what I'm being entrusted with right now. Right. What would you say to that person who says, I'm starting something new or I'm in my leadership journey. I know I can do more than I'm doing right now, more than I'm being entrusted with, more than I'm being given. W- what do I do?
1: Well, yeah, I would say the answer to, the, to any of those environments is, is the, the third H, which is hustle. And mm. the practical side of that is execute. the mm. the most the most valuable employee, team member, mm-hmm. leader. Mm-hmm. I would say today, and this is like a big statement, but I believe it's true. If you want to stand out, you if you're a hustler, and I don't mean hustler like what you think of when you when you hear that initially, right? Which is I'm out to get all mine. It's all about yeah, me, uh, totally, I'm totally building it around you where know, I
0: hustle you like I got your
1: wallet or something, right? right? No. Yeah. This is, this is the idea that, that I, will, um, I will both outwork you and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get it done. Yeah, right. It doesn't mean I work hard all the time and I burn myself out. That, that's not what I'm talking about because there's margin built in and Sabbath and all those are part of being actually a hustler. Uh, but you're willing to say, I will make things happen. Like if you can execute, if you can take the ball across the finish line, if you can score the touchdown – you are the most valuable player hmm. on the team. And most, the, the, here's what happens in leadership. The higher you go up the, the chain of influence and power and authority and you feel like you're more in charge, the less you feel you're liable to execute. And today, the, the execution is actually has to happen at the highest levels. Right, right. Because okay. we're all in a free agent economy now. Right, which totally. Which is, I mean, if, if Hank doesn't execute on Adopt Together, you yeah, know right. what happens? Like, nothing happens. It just disappears. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. would disappear from the from the earth. But if it, it, it doesn't matter whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a Fortune 500 CEO, whether you're a pastor, whether you're starting something brand new. Like, you, to be a good leader today, you have to be willing to get things done. You have to be in the yeah, trenches right. with your team, like, digging the, the ditch. The
0: measure is not, are you capable? The measure of is, do you execute? Yes. Is this... And, and most of is, us... Is what I hand you, coming back to me... Colored in roses It's the parable Of the ten talents In the scriptures Where it's like I gave you one talent You brought me back ten I'm going to give you more Yeah Like that kind of
1: element Is what it I is. hear you it's saying Well yeah That's stewardship Right sure Proper stewardship And and I'm saying like Stewardship
0: but To get To turn one talent Into ten That's That's, that's some hustle work. That's, that's hustle. who's out there yeah. Selling peaches or something I don't know Or whatever You but know this, this Early day Palestine like I don't know the, what they're handing the, the, out be,
1: the, be, the best way Olives like if you're trying It to was, was olives He was an olive it hustler Yeah But he's an olive hustler it was dates. It was dates. Yeah. <laughs> dates and olives. Dates and olives. Yeah. But the best way, like people ask me, Brad, how do I lead up? I'm in the middle of an organization. Yeah. Right. I'm trying to. I'm trying to not impress my boss. I'm trying to just actually to lead my boss. The best way for you to lead your boss is actually to get things done. Anticipate what <laughs> needs to happen.
0: Yeah. What does a person mean when they say? And I have a I have a couple more questions for you, but I want to stick on that. Whenever someone asks me how do I lead up or how do I lead my boss? Yeah. Like a a very large. Um, chill runs across my body like a Pokemon you know what I mean I'm just like oh my gosh I did. like it, that sounds to me like a person who read a leadership book right No offense to the leadership of writers. They're fascinating. They're important. And it's like, man, now I'm going to lead my boss. If someone who I was leading told me they were going to lead me, I'd be like, you know, uh, check it. Here's what you're going to do. Right. You're going to stop talking and then we're going to get back to work. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? I just don't. don't, It just makes you feel gross. When a person says, what does a person mean when they say, I want to figure out how to lead my boss? I didn't, and maybe that's the mistake I made. When I had bosses that held me down, which I had two of them distinctly, when I had bosses that I felt like wanted to, wanted to feel like they had control of me, yeah. I just wanted them gone I didn't want to lead them. right I just thought, okay I'm going to figure out my way. I wanted to get away from them more than every time I leaned in, uh, it got it felt like selling out to me.
1: yeah, but you're, 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 your story is not the story of most people. Okay. most m- people don't have the freedom or the uh, a, maybe not they don't have the courage. Yes. most people live in an, in a world that says like I'm probably not going to leave this organization or this reality. And yeah, I gotta, no, totally. I got to no, figure I, out how to, how to stick, I got around them. I got
0: around. I, I, well, I guess maybe that was manipulative or something. But I got around my two people while I stayed at the organization. I outlived them in the organization.
1: Right. So you, you, you just stay longer.
0: Yeah. I just yeah. Maybe I just stuck it out. How yeah. does a person, how do you lead a person? How do you lead your boss without feeling like you're trying to Yeah. Like you
1: don't want to be brown-nosed Bobby. Like we all know who those people are. Yes. And, and you also don't want to be, like you're saying, like the, the Johnny Rocket who shows up and he He's so excited because he just read a book. Right, and yeah. You just totally. want not say, yeah. Okay, shut it yeah. and get back to work. Hey
0: Brad, um, you you're my boss, but I'm gonna lead you now. Yeah. I'd be like, dude, and you don't, sh- you, stop don't talking. Even, you
1: don't even walk in with that posture that says I'm gonna lead you now. Yeah, right. But what you're what you're walking in with is is a sense of if I was in your shoes, yeah, here's what I would do to make things happen and get it done and Got help it. help move the ball forward. That accomplishes what we're all yes. trying to accomplish. Yeah. Yes. So your so your posture is is really one that says, I want to both anticipate and I also want to lead like I'm in your in your chair, but yeah. I know I'm not. Yeah, that's great. And I promise you this: when you take that as an accountability measure of I'm going to start leading like I'm in that role already. Yeah, right. You think about everything differently. Wow, you, you, that's cool. you You see everything with a new perspective. So you know, like start dressing like you're in that role. Start, yeah, right. Uh, start talking. Start. Yep. Um. Start leading, but also start making decisions like you're in that role. I've never had anybody on my team, Hank, who came to me and said, with a, with the with the proper understanding of what it looks like to be a good team member. But they came to me and said, "Hey, Brad, um, I know that you, I know that you typically uh, need this done on Thursday. Right. I went ahead and did it for you. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like you were never mad at that person. Never mad. Yeah. Ever, right. Ever. Totally. Ever. I've totally. Never been mad at anybody who anticipated. And then went ahead and, and pulled the trigger. Yeah, right. I will take those kind of people all day long. That's great. Compared to, I'm waiting on you to tell me what to do, and I will not move until somebody yeah. actually forces me <laughs> to make any kind of decision. Yeah,
0: totally. That's that person will forever be the hourly hourly employee. You got it. They're not going to get They'll out of never that. Never like, Just be available. Be available. I don't want to ever pay someone to be available. Um, okay, so now next question I would ask is like, how does a person? How does one stay humble uh, when? one feels or knows or has been told that uh, they are maybe the person that should go start a thing or mm. do a thing or create a thing. Like, I guess my question is, does humility uh, ever um, do it be, do a disservice to you? Because yes, when I look can, at guys like, like it Scott it and Blake, can. and I, when I look at people like even Zuckerberg and Steve Jobs and people who have done great things in the world, yeah. it seems like they lack a lot of humility. And I don't mean that about Scott and Blake. Mm-hmm. But you meet Scott and Blake and you go, this guy would never work for me. Right. right. <laughs> this guy would never, this person has a thing and they are going to do it. And there's two ways that they run. I'm the man and I'm the man. Like yeah. they have a mission and they're going to go take it at what, how do you, a, I guess the question is how do you stay humble in a posture when you're the guy? Yeah. And two, when do you know that being humble and like keeping the job you have and like keeping your head low is not the road, not the road to hoe, but you've got to go, Hey, I I got to go do this thing and I've got to, You know, things like I do. Right now, it's, like, so weird to have a domain with my name, HankFortner.com. Right. Right. When I first bought that, I was like, this just feels so weird. weird. And I've always been the guy who, like, I pushed other stuff. I was about Mosaic or about Adopt Together, about other stuff. And now I actually have to send things, like, and sign them my name and have my domain. That just feels super strange to me. So how do I push against those things where it's like, dude, I don't want to have – I don't want to build a brand. Does yeah. that make sense? Like no, those totally kinds does. of things. I but I want to write books and I want the life of a person with a brand. I just don't always necessarily want to be the guy who feels like I'm the one pushing forward. Well, the
1: the, the ultimate expression of humility is that you realize and understand that there's a bigger story going on. Hmm. That you're not the center of it. Yes, right. Sometimes you are the center of it, but you're not ultimately the center of it. Yeah, right. So that's – humility is – first of all, if anybody says they figured out humility, then – Check yourself. B- out. before they wreck themselves. <laughs> yeah, right. Because totally. like you're, it's a it's a continual pursuit. Yep. You you can never.
0: Although in in the scriptures Moses did write that he was the humblest man who ever lived. Really? How do you how do you? I don't I don't know how to resolve
1: that. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> I know. Yeah.
0: Does the Bible ever contradict itself? But, yes. But, yes. Because Moses said he was the most humble yeah. man who
1: ever lived. But humility is not weakness either. Humility okay, right. is, is, is is power and confidence. That's that's under control.
0: So could humility be confused for fear sometimes? Like, could I be oh, hooking my hat on no hu- the humble hook and being like, no, yeah. look at me, man. I'm just you that's, know what? I'm just going to stay here. But yeah, really, that's fake I'm humility.
1: I'm just afraid to do this. That's yeah. fake humility. That's a that's a posture that says that says, oh shucks, or it says, I don't know if I can really do it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make an excuse based on the premise that yes, you know, um, so I I would say this like you're. You have to understand that there's something bigger going on. Okay. You have to, um, to walk with a posture that is confident but under control. Like, okay. Like you're not weak. Yep. Not, Humility is not weakness. It's, it's, it's power. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's like a racehorse who has a bridle on it. Yeah, right. Compared to a racehorse that's just, just, just running free. Running in strange directions. Yeah. yeah. And, and at the end of the day, like the, the leaders who are the most humble, um, first of all, they, they understand their identity as a believer, like we, you, it has to go back to like, you're Christ-like, Sure. But it also then goes back to, do I know, like the more I know myself, the more I'm self-aware, the more I'm authentic, the more I'm totally dialed in on, on who God has wired me to be. Actually, the more humble you become, even though you're, you you feel like it would go the other way. You feel like I'm, I'm so dialed into who I am that I Am now arrogant in that in yeah, some ways, totally. but totally. It, it, it actually makes you more humble because then you're so focused on what you're supposed to do. Yeah, right. So you know the the practical side of of humility is is be really really dialed in on your level of awareness, identity, and authenticity. That's great as a, as a leader.
0: Uh, and then and then this is the last and third beat of your from hustle to hungry. Yeah. Or to hustle, to humble, to hungry. Uh, hungry. So talk to me about what that means as a guy who I'm hungry for lots of things. Yeah. I'm hungry for, if I'm honest, I'm hungry for, I want to write a book. Yeah. I want that book to sell right. to people. I want to make money so I can take care of my family, but I want to make money so I can drive cool cars and be really generous and sort of Dave Ramsey my way to generosity. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, But I'm hungry for lots of things. I'm hungry to uh, make a big dent in the world. And that means a lot of things for me personally. That means a lot of notoriety. That means all those things, right? Like at what point is hunger, um, like how do you make sure that hunger also keeps that humility in check? Does that make sense? So it's not just like, you know what? I want to be famous for whatever I'm doing. Right. Like that's what I'm hungry for. And I feel like that kind of ambition, I watch, I observe this with leaders both in a faith space and in not a faith space. Nothing is ever enough. Right. They get, They made. They they raised eight million at that event. Now they want sixteen the next year. Yeah. Then it's then and it's and I watch them burning people out, and I watch people just watch and go, oh, there's never. This is. It's never enough. Is hunger part of that never enough thing, or is there a place where you go? I'm trying to get to that spot. Yeah. And I want to take a really big deep breath and go, guys, cheers, celebration, we did this, and now we've got to figure out what our next hunger is. But I I observe that hunger thing as just an insatiable desire for more. Yeah. And it feels like you can add greed to it, spiritualize it, and call that, I want my church to be 50,000. And then we hit 50,000. It's like, dude, we're going for... I just had this conversation with a dude yesterday where it's like, well, our church is busting at the seams, and they're trying this thing in this other neighborhood right next to this other church. I'm like... Aren't we good? When are we good? When are we like, yeah? yeah, This is awesome, and now there's now there's now it's not just more that we're going to accomplish. We're actually going to accomplish something else, and I don't mean that like churches shouldn't grow or that things shouldn't be big or that you shouldn't try to get your stockholders to earn more money or that nonprofits shouldn't expand. But like, how do you stay hungry without having that insatiable, never enough feeling that I think makes a leader powerful? Uh, but also is exhausting to be this around. Is, it's exhausting is, to follow
1: them. This is the tension of leadership because most people who lead are uh, hungry and most hungry leaders have a huge appetite for ambition. Hmm. Like they, they are off the chart when it comes yes. to, I want to accomplish more. Yes. And that's what actually makes them successful. It, it's what, it's right. what gives them the drive. Yep. The insatiable appetite for, for the next mountain to climb. Yep. And um, I don't know the right, I don't, I don't, I don't know the right answer to your question Okay. in the sense of when do we know. I think it's individually. It, it comes back to the, the, the sense of your own life Yeah. and your own sense of health. And when I look at, I look at mm. individual health, that's the measurement I always will go back to mm. because it has to come back to, are you flourishing? Yeah, right. right. And are the people closest to you flourishing? Yeah. In, in my story, like at, during, at Catalyst, like, I got to the point where, um, and I write about this in the book, because it's part of the story of H3. Like, And I'm trying to make this point that that all of us as leaders are susceptible to that insatiable appetite and we'll yes. burn ourselves out. Totally, we totally. Will, we will actually knock ourselves out of the ring because we're so willing to go for it. And we'll, we won't bow out of the boxing match. Right. We will get knocked out. That's the only way we're. Yeah, right. But a lot of us get knocked out of, of leadership because of we're, we're actually defaulting back to the thing that is our weakness. Yeah, right. Even though it, it, it is our strength. So for me, Hank, like I got to the point where I realized that the people closest to me hated me. Yeah. Now, they would follow me because I was up and to the right, right as a leader and as an organization. Sure. We were, we were successful. But those people who were closest to me were not thriving. Huh. And I was not thriving. But further out? You know, the people who would come to events and yep. show up, man, they, they thought, I would love to go work for Brad Lominick. Yeah. You know, he's, he's building something. And, you know, it just took a little bit of, of a moment of realizing that if I'm not thriving and if the people closest to me are not thriving and not healthy, yeah, then the cumulative scorecard of my leadership is an F. Wow. Even though I built something yeah. significant. Yeah. And I never, you know, I didn't jump off the cliff. I didn't have a burnout. I didn't have, like, you know, one of those things that. But even now, I can observe that in your energy. We just had lunch with our friend. Yeah. And he
0: called you Happy Brad now. Happy Brad. And you're Happy Brad, and you're 60 pounds lighter, and you have energy, and you're you dreaming it. about the future you got in it. a different way than, say, uh, fast on the Blackberry
1: Brad. Fast. The, well, which was and, the first one in, I met. Intense Brad, who who never felt like it was good enough. Yeah. Who right. Never would stop and celebrate. Yeah. In the right. early days of building what I was building and being a leader, and I man, I would stop and celebrate all the time. Yeah, right. It was constant, and the pressure of leadership just slowly degraded that in my yeah. life to the point where I looked around and thought, nobody likes to be around me, yeah. nobody like to be around me. Yeah, anymore.
0: I love that cumulative scorecard reference where you're looking at your health, the health of the people that you're leading, and what you're a part of, because I think that has so much insight into what we drive towards and what we move towards as we look into our leadership. Uh, with the remainder time together, I have a, couple of qu- I have a list of like, really, really, really practical questions. Yeah. How do you know when to quit something? There's people listening now that are like, man, I want, I want to lead and I want to do a thing. How do you know when to quit? A,
1: I would. A venture or a job. Um. Well. Here, here's my here's here's my take on it. Okay. Um. One, quit before you need to. Okay. In the sense of Barry Sanders, that thing. What I mean by that is go out go out on top Swinging. Yeah, and yeah. Go, go out with a sense that um, you, you still kind of left something on the table. Yeah, right. And I don't mean like make a, make a rash decision that puts your family in jeopardy. or right. you know, Financially or something. Yeah, like that but thing. like at the end of the day, ask the question, what's the worst thing that can happen? And if, if you're quitting something, typically that means that you, you want to pursue something else. Yes. And that you have something that you are, you're like getting a vision for or momentum or energy around to go pursue but at the end of the day like quitting doesn't make you a quitter yeah right you you should be quitting stuff i mean bob goff says that we should quit something every thursday like wow. he calls it yeah. quit, quit thursday wow that's He's cool like, just find something you say no to every thursday that's cool um so i i think quitting gets a bad rap okay and we should quit more often yep when uh, when should we fire somebody well the the mantra is this um hire really slow really slow really slow Fire really fast, really fast, really fast. Okay. Meaning that if you have a a, a hunch as a, as a leader, as a manager, as a boss that um, that is leaning you towards uh, don't don't react to like they just cuss me out in the hallway. Right, moments. right, sure. But if you're <laughs> feeling like this, if someone's is not cussing a, me out in the hallway, though, I probably <laughs> they they <laughs> yeah. might be God by the end <laughs> of the day. But if you're if you're sensing that, if your gut's telling you that, if yeah. your instincts are telling you that, it's probably true. Yep. And you, okay. need to, you need to go ahead and take care of it because what you're doing is you're actually limiting that person's potential to grow right, in right. maybe another organization or another environment.
0: Oh, that's good. Yeah, you kinda, you're doing, you're, it's compassionate release. That's what I like to call compassionate that. Compassionate release. It's compassionate release. When you let a person go because you're like, this is not going to be the spot for you.
1: We typically hire fast and we fire slow. Yeah, right. But when we should be doing just the opposite. That's right. We the should opposite. hire really slow and fire people really fast.
0: Yep. How do we spot leaders? In our organizations, like if I look at Adopt Together, right? I'm not in a church setting where I'm seeing people every Sunday. I'm all over the place. How do I find and identify leaders where I go? Hey, I think these this person has a lot of potential, and I got to invest in them. What am I looking for?
1: Um, I think you're looking for well. You're looking for H3. H3. Um, I'm looking for the three H's. I'm yep. hum- a hungry hustle, but uh, you're also um, you're also giving them opportunities. Okay. Um, as much as possible, put put young. Leaders and, and newbies into the game way sooner than you okay. think they should be. Yep. And let them. Um, I mean, you know, you could you could probably uh, identify this as a good or bad decision as a parent. Sure. But I think from parenting, what I hear a lot is that we want to put our kids into places where they have to figure it out on their own. Yeah. Sure. And so part of leadership is that you put them in to the game. Just throw them in. Yep. And see how they respond. See how they go. And and you watch them lift themselves. Based on experience and on actually doing it, yep. not not based on who can talk the best or you know who can Brown nose the best or or who can sort of play the game. Yeah, put them in the, Put them in, like put, get them on the field. Yeah, that's and then great. See who see who responds well. That's great. For you, uh, what's next for Brad Lominick? Great question. Uh, another book coming out awesome. sometime in the next. 12 to 18 months okay great. i mean, i don't even know what it's <laughs> sometime uh, in the next year I don't and a even half know what the title will be okay great but it's it's around the premise of uh of building a platform that other people can stand on oh cool because that's what i would say is sort of the one of the ultimate expressions of your impact yeah is that you build things that other people can then uh be a part of and that you make them the hero yeah wow. so that's, that's that's a great
0: you're, you're the perfect person to write that book because well, I feel like I, that's so much what of what you do. Yeah, yeah it's so it's much of what I of do what and do. What, I, what I did.
1: Yeah. Um, and, you know, then just a lot of uh, hanging out with friends. I, I, I like to call myself the, the, the Kingdom Rover. Kingdom Rover. When people say, what do you do, Brad? I say, I play Rover in, in the Kingdom." And they're like, well, wh- I don't know what that means at all. Oh. And I explain it by. Isn't that like, uh, isn't that a, uh, a car in Saudi Arabia? <laughs> it might be, actually. a <laughs> Kingdom
0: Rover. It's like but my dad. Land was, Rover in Saudi Arabia. My dad Arabia. was a football coach in high school.
1: Okay. And I played Rover on defense. Wow. Which r- the Rover linebacker is the, basically the de- defensive back who can go anywhere on the field. Nice. Based on the set of the offense. Yep. So I can move around. I can like. You
0: see how they line up and you go, yep, okay, here we you go. You got it. It's and great. That's,
1: that's what I do with a lot of my time. That's
0: great. Awesome. Where do people find you? Online, digitally,
1: everything? Just my name, Brad Lominick. Brad Lominick. L-O-M-E-N-I-C-K. That's the website. That's the, all the social media outlets. Awesome.
0: We're going to do that. My last question that I like to ask on this podcast. Yes. If you and God had a conversation right now at this table, what
1: would he say to you? Well, I believe in pray without ceasing and in everything give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So I'm constantly having a conversation with God. Good, good, good. But, well, I just, I just, but if God talked to
0: you. Yes, and if you weren't if you weren't talking unceasingly to God, mm. and He was like, "Hey, Brad," yeah, comma next line, what would He say?
1: I think He would say, um, "You're loved." Huh. Awesome. And and walk in that identity that awesome. you're loved. Yeah. And you're and yeah, you're loved.
0: It's awesome. Yeah. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to go find it. You don't have to search for it. No. And you'd have a smile.
1: You'd have like a big grin. Nice. And just like, just remember, just be reminded today that you're loved. It's awesome. Brad, it was awesome
0: having you. Thanks, buddy. Thank you for being a part of the Typically Hazardous. Currently, that's our current run, Listen, our Typically Hazardous podcast. And you've uh, given a, us some food for thought. And some I'm a long-time, long-time listener and, and first-time caller. <laughs> so, uh, you, me, and Dr. Lawyer. I'll be the Dennis Prager <laughs> of
1: the uh, spirituality it's section right, of man. the podcast. Yeah.
0: Dude, thanks so much, and uh look forward to tonight.
1: Yes, it'll be great. Yeah. You're, you're doing a talk? and uh, Doing a
0: talk tonight? Uh, ho- my 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 computer is on is currently in the air right now flying to me right yeah. now yeah yeah and uh, so hopefully if that talk does
1: it goes well yeah you're like you're like one of those patients getting a uh, you know an organ flown in yeah exactly for the for, <laughs> the, for the for the surgery <laughs> yeah isn't that terrible
0: yes I cannot give a talk without my keynote right it's just part have it. of yeah not in a talk like this thank you Brad you're awesome thanks buddy talk to you soon hey guys Well, I hope you enjoyed. Brad's insights, I hope you enjoyed Brad's thoughts, I hope you enjoyed our conversation I had a blast with this conversation and I'm really grateful for guys like Brad who have had such a mayoral position as I described such an overlooking position and they're driven to help leaders find their voices which is so cool Uh, a couple of things I want to let you know about before I let you roll is if you haven't joined our email list, go to uh, type in the number 66866 you can just text your Uh, email or you can text the name hank to 66866 and uh, you will be prompted to join our email list Um, excited to have you excited to be a part of this thing and i've got some really cool uh, episodes coming up so i can't wait for you guys to stay connected so if you haven't already please subscribe if you haven't already please comment or review we that makes us feel so good and we love you forever for that so comment review join our email list and uh, i'm so excited to have you guys so excited to have brad And I look forward to seeing you at the next episode. Until then, may you live a typically hazardous life.